Welcome to Global Outreach Community Church, where we proclaim and demonstrate the love of God through Christ. Now, from the Overlook, located in Atascacita, Texas, here is today's message. with you about sort of what God has been doing in my life. Some of the best lessons that you'll ever teach in your life are life lessons that you actually live. And so uh, God has put me through some trials, and I'm going to share a little bit of that with you today. The overarching theme of what we're going to talk about today is in Luke chapter 15, and it's the parable of the lost sheep. But we're going to call it the parable of the found sheep. Because ultimately, Jesus, when he is at the center of it all, seeks, pursues us individually. He comes after us in our life. And I've experienced that walk with Jesus. I've experienced that uh, my personal journey. I can honestly say I never set out to be standing before you here today. If anything else, I set out to do just the opposite. And yet God was so faithful to bring me along. He gave me a granddad that when he had cancer, told me I needed Jesus in my life the last time I saw him. He hadn't spoken in two days. My mother told me later that he hadn't spoken in two days. And yet the one thing that overflowed from him was a witness of Jesus Christ to his grandson. And I got to thinking about that lately. Wow, how awesome was that, that my grandfather, even when he was in a comatose state, the one thing that he wanted to share with his oldest grandson was Jesus Christ. And so for you all, And for me personally, my greatest joy in life, it took me about 10 years because I'm a very slow learner, and God had to pursue, pursue, pursue. But once he pursued me and I surrendered my life to him, I really say he saved me. Ultimately, God just took me on a crazy journey that I never expected. And this journey is still going today, and I get to be a part of the journey that you're on today as well. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we're one. So we get to open up the Word of God, and we get to all tell each other, no matter where we've been or what we've been through, Jesus is good when He's at the center of it all, and we recognize His pursuit of us, and we recognize the joy of the Word and the power that's found in that. We get joy out of that great love and the power that's found in the Word of God. And so today, as we open the Word of God to this parable of the found sheep, we're going to each see our own story in that parable. And so I want you guys to really picture yourself. There's several different people that are found in this book that Jesus often talks about. One is tax collectors and sinners. We know that the, the, back in those days, the disabled, uh, those who were tax collectors, those were the Romans. Now, these people were brutal. They literally would put people on a stake and crucify them. So when we hear the word tax collector, we might think they took an extra $10 from us, but that is not what we're talking about. These would have been the people that were funding the Roman government at the time. These would have been the people that were crucifying men, women, and children that as you went down the road, you saw the great power that they expressed in their crazy, crazy way that they lived. And so they ruled by power. And you can imagine today, we live in a country that has great power, right? We can dispatch F-16s like that. So everybody, whether you're Iran or wherever you are, if you're an enemy of the United States, you know immediately that they can be there just like that. Well, back in these days, Rome ruled all the way from Europe, all the way through India thousands of miles. So I want you to think about the reality though. Back then they didn't have an airplane. Back then they couldn't just dispatch somebody. So these tax collectors that Jesus was sitting with in this first parable, these were the guys funding this great army that ultimately would do brutal works in order to repress the people. See the difference? So context matters when we're studying the scriptures. And today, this is our context. Our Lord and Savior is once again sitting with sinners and tax collectors. And it's called the parable of the lost sheep. I want to tell you a quick story. My wife and daughter are being picked up right now from a cruise. And so Friday night, last Friday night, uh, not this one, but the one before, my wife was scurrying around the house trying to get ready for this cruise. So they're very excited, as you would imagine. Everything's been planned. And I come home, and it's probably 8 o'clock at night, maybe 9. She's 
really scurrying to get everything together. And so the last thing that she's looking for is her passport. So we find the passport, and she looks at me with this look, and she's blank. And the first thing in my mind was, it's expired. (laughs) I was right. The passport was expired. She was leaving the next morning, she thought. So you're in trouble. If you don't have a passport, as Eric knows, you're not getting out of there. Well, we flooded with Harvey. We had about four and a half feet of water. So we've had a lot of moving parts over the last couple of years. So getting back in our house, we're missing some things. Stuff is distributed in areas that we don't necessarily know. And so we went on a search throughout the house. I'm talking, we tore everything apart to find nothing. So about this time, my daughter, who's going on the trip, is trying to talk me into going on the trip. Well, I have to go to work. And so I'm looking at my schedule, literally trying to figure out how are we going to do this? This is a nightmare. And so something in my mind, as I was in the middle of that chaos, popped, and I remembered seeing a little birth certificate that my wife had somewhere, but I had no idea where it was, if I'm honest with you. I started going back, and I was literally just following where I felt the Lord was leading me, and I began to dig through papers and dig through papers, and I found that little, pass, that little uh, birth certificate. And so when I found that thing, you can imagine the joy that I had, right? Number one, I couldn't get on a ship. I get seasick, so that was number one. Number two, my wife and daughter were going to be able to go. And so I was super excited, and I put it in my pocket real quiet because I knew I had found it. And they were in the kitchen kind of depressed, and my daughter was just still kind of on me about me going. And so I walked back in the kitchen, and I just pulled it out. My wife goes, (laughs) and then my daughter runs up to me and goes, and she gives me a big old hug. Now, I love getting hugs from my daughter. She doesn't give as many as she used to. But every time I can get one, I'll take it. Now, they were very excited because we found something that gave them access to where they were going, right? And so today, as we read this parable, and you've probably lost some things in your life. You probably found yourself lost. I want you to think about the one thing in your life that you've lost that's been very, very difficult. And I want you to know that you have a Savior that will leave the 99 to come after the one, that one being us, right? That one being you with wherever you're at. And so we forget about the pursuing awesome love of God sometimes, especially when we're off track, because that's when we feel like we don't belong. You ever felt like you didn't belong? Ever walked in here, kind of knowing what's inside? See the pastor? See the pastor's wife? You kind of ease in and sit in the back, but you know on the inside something's off. Today, this message is for you. Maybe you're part of the Pharisees. Maybe you're one that says, man, this message is for everybody else. Pastor, I'm glad you're here today because they need to hear this. Well, you're the one that he talked about all the time in a negative light. When you start thinking about somebody else needing a message, that's when pride starts to creep in. And so I want to encourage those who are believers in the household of God that 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 pursuing love is for us as well. That we too can get kind of caught up in our own righteousness sometimes and forget that it's just all about surrender. And we're going to see surrender in this story like, like you've never seen. So I hope in your own heart, whether you're, at that, whether you're on the Pharisee side, whether you're saved and you're part of the 99, or whether you're sitting out on the corner feeling very alone right now, that you will know that there is a Savior. His name is Jesus, and He is called the Good Shepherd for a reason. He is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. He is the gate. He is the good shepherd. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he is the vine that gives us living water that we live on day to day. So that good shepherd is pursuing us in this story. And then I'm going to share a little bit about a personal situation that I've been through that I thought I would never have to go through myself. But God's been so gracious to me. And I'll tell you, he pursued me through my grandfather. He pursued me through friends, and he pursued me ultimately through the church of Jesus Christ. And I am so thankful that he did that. Had he not, I never set out, I never set out to serve God, if I'm honest with you. People knocked on my door. If Global Outreach Community Church was out knocking on doors, people knocked on Todd Stewart's door and I sent them away. Imagine that. 
Imagine that. People today say, no, you've been this way your whole life and all of that. No, I haven't. It wasn't. I rejected God. I didn't want any part of God. And he broke me down through the Word of God and through His grace and through His love. And through that, began to use me in a way that I never dreamed possible. When you've been loved much and you've been forgiven much, you're going to love much. So I can't help but overflow. This morning I sat on my back porch and I literally listened to that song that we sang earlier, How Great Is Our God. I can't listen to a song. I can sit on a porch and listen to a song and it brings tears to my eyes because I really believe that that is who the God we serve is. That He is that pursuing, loving Father that we desperately need and the world desperately needs. And there's two worlds that are walking side by side. And here we are, have the blessing of walking with Jesus. And there's a whole world trying to go their own direction. And they're lost. And they don't even know it, some of them. So let's jump into the Word of God, can we? Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing, And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner, one person who repents, than all of those who need no repentance. Amen? Amen. What a powerful picture of God's love. Then he goes on in the next parable the parable of the lost coin, or should I say the parable of the found coin? Or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you again, there is more joy for the angels of God over one sinner who repents Do you see the pattern that we have here? Joy, rejoice. Then we have the famous parable of the prodigal son. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me share of the property that is coming to me. He divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had. He took it on a journey to a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to, he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here in hunger? I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and felt compassion. And he ran and embraced him and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and a shoe on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us celebrate for my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And they began to celebrate. Celebrate, rejoice, joy. There's two parties going on. There's a worldly party going on. There's a heavenly party that we get to participate here on this earth if we know Christ as our Lord and Savior. Amen? So what what can we learn from this passage? What can we learn over and over that we see in this passage? For the first point, I want to tell you this, that Jesus 
pursues and is seeking after you right where you're at. Sometimes we forget and we think that we are out of his sight somehow. You cannot escape the sight of God, no matter how far you run or how far you go. He can, he's under the rocks. He knows what's our thoughts in our mind. He knows our word before we speak, the scriptures tell us. You cannot escape the love of God in Christ Jesus. He left heaven of all places to come to earth to pursue you individually. What a joyous thing. While we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us, for you, and for me. Praise God. And who did he come for? The broken, the strayed, the lost, the injured, and the weak. Have you been injured? Are you feeling weak? Have you strayed from God, perhaps? Are you broken in spirit? You remember when Jesus called the disciples up on the mountainside there in chapter 5, these were the ones that were going to go out and change the world. And he told them basically this, that you don't want to be part of the problem or part of the solution. And if you want to be part of the solution there in chapter 5, he said, you're going to be poor in spirit. You're going to be meek. You're going to be merciful. You're going to be pure in heart. You're going to be a peacemaker if you know me. You will be persecuted for righteousness sake if you know me. But in all of that, you will have the solution that all those problems out there need in, in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. And so... The spirit that God puts upon us is very, very different than the spirit that the world seeks to put upon us. All you got to do is drive around and look at the signs on the side of the road, and they'll tell you how to fix everything, right? Here's how you can have your best self, be your best person. But the reality is we know we're not. We are broken. We have strayed. We do need a Savior, a good shepherd that will fight and come after us and follow us and pick us up. I love what it says in that first passage. When that good shepherd left the 99 to after the one, you think, why would he do that? All the value is there. But he left that 99 to go after that one because of the value of each of us individually. What I love, though, is when he got to that sheep, that sheep was probably stubborn just like I was. I'd like to tell you that the first time told, my grandfather told me I needed Jesus, I said, Grandfather, great, let's pray. I'm ready to go serve in the church. Unfortunately, I didn't. I went to college. Got caught up with this, kind of the same old crowd. Didn't surround myself with the right people. Picked bad relationships one after another. And I found myself lost. I was, I was that uh, seed that fell by the road. Had no root. And I didn't water that thing. And so ultimately I found myself back in the same situation I was. Thank God I had another person that followed up with me in God's love. Invited me to a men's Bible study. I started going and actually opening the Word of God for myself. God began to water that root that was all dried out. And all of a sudden, I understood what they were talking about. Because all of a sudden, I had this desire in me that wasn't there before. And this desire began to be overwhelming. It took over every part of my life to the point that I could not ignore the desire anymore. And one day, I sat in the pew, and a pastor that was an associate pastor was preaching that day. And the associate pastor said, God's going to give you opportunities in your life, and you have to seize the moment. All I could think of was, Papa, you told me about Christ. I know I chewed some crackers and prayed a prayer a while back, but I have never truly stood for Jesus Christ. And, but here's the thing. Something had changed in me. Something had changed in my spirit. God had, as in he said in Ezekiel, taken out my heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh and was causing me now to walk in a different manner. My wife was beginning to look at me differently because I was acting differently, walking differently, desiring different things. And ultimately, I could not sit in that seat any longer. And so when that pastor gave that invitation, I looked at my wife and I stood right up because there was not any more time for me to sit on the sidelines. The shepherd had put me on his shoulder and was about to walk me forward down that aisle, and I was about to stand before men and women and proclaim that Jesus Christ had saved me and he was my Savior. My father experienced the same thing after me. My dad wasn't raised in church. So I went back to this business that Eric talked about, and I had a bunch of lost people. But all I wanted to do was tell them about the Lord. And so I started telling people about Jesus, and they started saying yes. Over time, my father came to Christ at 58 years old and was baptized. So I've seen how God can pursue us over a long time. 
And he pursues us. So no matter how old you are, how young you are, whether you are uh, in elementary school, middle school, high school, college, God's pursuing love will never give up on you. Don't you love that? I love the picture. Once I was lost, but now I am found. Who doesn't like that moment when they find what they're looking for? This morning, it's like God's trying to teach me every day. I got in my truck and I hit the button. I don't, my son says I don't like these buttons, and I don't either because the key, I never find my keys anymore. And so I turned it on, though. It turned on. I said, well, the key's got to be in here if it turned on. So I get to searching, searching. I'm like, Lord, I've been getting one lost message after another, one found message after another. I got to go preach this morning. Come on, show me where these keys are. And so I started running around the house, and I finally covered it after about two times in and out of the house. And I thought, well, if I drive there and then I turn it off and it's here, uh, it probably knows it's in the house. And so I'll be stuck. And so you you can't leave that thing that's lost. And that's how God is with us. He will pursue us, bring us in. Now we have that power, that Holy Spirit power in our life. We can begin to walk differently. We have a different desire, different uh, needs in our life that are met differently by the power of the Holy Eric talked a little bit about that earlier, or it was Brother Brandon that was praying earlier about the fruits of the Spirit. See, he begins to give you a different walk, and that's what we're after. Isn't the world looking for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control? Aren't they looking for that? And yet they're trying to get it every which way but Jesus. And so I'm here to tell you today there's only one way that you will ever be a peacemaker in your life. And that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's through surrendering your life to him as he comes along. And I'll tell you this much, and I love it. I love that in the scriptures, it says this, uh, Jesus picks us up off of the lost path. He puts us on his shoulders. Picture Jesus picking you up as you were in your worst condition. While we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. On that cross, he looked out at you and said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And this sheep may be running. This sheep may be going the wrong direction. But I'm going to snatch him up. I'm going to put him on my shoulders. And I'm going to begin to walk him back to a new way of life. And so he is a strong shepherd that walks with us, that picks us up. And there is no sheep that is too big for him him to carry. I've got a friend that's a Jewish man. He weighs about 300 pounds and he picked him, put him on his and carried him home. If he can carry him home, he can carry you home. Amen. And so here's the thing. As he's carrying us home, it says there in Psalms 23, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So when he picks me up, he not only picks me up and carries me and gives me a peace, but he then begins put me on the path that will lead to that peace. Amen? So he is such a good shepherd and a guide for our lives. He doesn't just save us and leave us there. That's the purpose of the church of Jesus Christ is to surround ourselves now with people walking in the same direction as we are. When I got saved or when I prayed to receive Christ in that little youth group, I did not surround myself with the right people. Therefore, I did not walk with God for the next eight years. Took me eight full years, even knowing in my heart that I had prayed to the Lord and felt different, but I wasn't fostering my walk with Him. And so consequently, I didn't have all, I missed out on all the fruit of the Spirit during that time. Now, God was gracious with me. He let me experience a little pain. He let me walk in that path for a little while, but He never left me. He was by my side, never leave us or forsake us. But the reality was I experienced a lot of things that I didn't have to because I decided that I knew better than he did, right? I always use Sakina as an example because she always will let me know when she's not in a good place. And I always, I I appreciate that about her because when you're honest before the Lord, I can work with that. What I can't work with is pretend that we have it all together when everything's falling apart. And that's part of the problem that we have in the church today. When we come, it's very difficult, right? It's hard for me. I come in and Crystal sings beautifully. And then she tells me to sing. And I know I need to sing, but it stinks to sing when somebody sings so well. But when she turns it up, she opens the door for me to sing. So God has a way of of just encouraging us in the body. And I want to encourage you here at Global Outreach Community Church. 
that's, that's the heart of what Eric and Pastor Sweeney were talking about. To, as we surround one another with the love of Christ, he begins to put us on that path and we walk in newness of life. There's opportunity to do things that you never dreamed possible. Amen. God takes you on a whole new path. Eric fought this whole international thing. We've told this story once before. Didn't want to go on the mission trip with us. Did not want to go. God has not called me there. So we went. <laughs> and now he's over all of Latin America for FCA because that's how God works. And so I ask you today, what are you fighting God against? What's, what are you fighting God on? Where is he calling you in your life? Is it just intimacy with him? Are you trying to find intimacy somewhere else? You will never be at rest or at peace apart from the good shepherd's arms. But he will walk and he will let you beat yourself up as long as you want because he's a loving father. And there's times when we got to let our kids go. Yep. Right? Yep. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. Listen to Psalm 40, verse 2. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He sat my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. Do you want to have a secure path in your life? You must walk with Jesus in order to do that. You will not find that any other place. I don't care uh, how smart you are. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what kind of car you drive, what kind of house you live in. I don't care any of that. How talented you are. You may be a great sports person or whatever. You will not find peace apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, I love this. And I'm going to be, look, let's look at uh, Ezekiel chapter 34. Jesus rescues us. He rescues us. We've already talked about that there in the New Testament in Luke chapter 15. But I want you to see something. There's a pattern throughout Scripture that God is pursuing His people. In the Old Testament, I remember reading the first time thinking, well, these people must be crazy. God is steady providing for them, and they are steady going the wrong direction. Why won't they turn and go with God? He's already provided food and water, got them out of slavery, walking with them. And now they won't walk with him. These people are so These people must be crazy. I look. Oh, Lord, thank you for giving me the Israelites as a mirrored picture of sometimes how we look in our life. But also thank you for giving us a great love that pursued them even in the wilderness. God will run you down. He won't let you go. And I'm going to tell you what, if you love somebody, you don't let them go either. You better pursue that person. Keep pursuing them. Because you don't know when God's going to get a hold of them. And for me, my aunt, for me, for probably 20 years before I gave my life to the Lord. And that used to be a joke that she would give me a Bible every year for Christmas. And, you know, that's what I thought about because, you know, we, they, she was in church all the time. And, but it wasn't a joke to her. It was a war. And I realize now that we are in a fight. That the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But he came that we might have life and life abundant. Amen? Amen? So do you want kill, steal, and destroy, or do you want to have life abundant? You want to walk with a, a dad that can protect you, can snap that enemy up so quick in his power? Yes. He has no power over us when we're walking in faith. But when we try to walk in our own spirit, ultimately we get hammered, right? Sometimes things happen to us out of our control. I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute too. But let's, let's get into Ezekiel chapter 34. This is a beautiful picture. Now, people have been scattered because of their disobedience. They've been scattered all over. And yet God keeps pursuing them. And they're scattered because they're idolaters. At the end of the book of Judges, it talks about the fact that they did what was right in their own sight. How many of y'all said, you know what, I know what's best in your life? I'm going to make this decision because I know what's best. And I know the Lord, and God, I know, but I just feel like this is the way I need to go. Yes. Well, God's not into feeling. God's into obedience. Amen. And so when God tells us to go a direction, it's real simple. As we begin to step on that path, he gives us strength on that path. Well, the Israelites were slow learners just like us. And so in this particular passage, Ezekiel had a rough life. Because Ezekiel is one of those Old Testament prophets that had to share the message of God with a rebellious people. And it's not easy to do that. His wife even died while he was ministering. So you can imagine how difficult this would be. Lord, you've called me to minister to a stubborn people. 
what else can I do? Sometimes pastors feel that way. Listen to this. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep. Wait a minute, is this Luke 15? Or is this Ezekiel chapter 34? I will search for my sheep and will seek them out. The Lord seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep. That he that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered. Who needs to be rescued today? On a day of clouds and darkness. You know when that rain comes in, there's days where you'll see sunshine lately, but then you'll see rain over here. That's how life works sometimes. You might have good areas, but then you know it's raining over here. You can't ignore that thundercloud. You've got to stop and recognize it. A day of clouds and thick darkness, and I will bring them out from the people and gather them from other countries and will bring them own land and will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture. Remember Psalm 23? And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture. They shall feed on the mountains of Israel. What a difference. What a contrast from being under the hand of an oppressed government, holding them tightly, enslaved to foreign governments because of idolatry in their life. And the Lord says, I'm coming after you and I'm going to put you in good pasture. That's what his love does for us. And I love this. Verse 15, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I will make them lie down, declares the Lord. Sometimes you got to force that dog down. I'm just telling you, I've been the dog. And sometimes you got to just force the dog down, and God is good enough to do that to us sometimes. And you don't want that, I'm telling you, because he will do it. He will do that. But it's out of love that he does that. He'll break that leg in order to get you back, Right? I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost, listen, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. Strayed, injured, weak, and lost. That's how we are at times. And yet God seeks after us because of his great love for us. Right out of the Old Testament and also there in Luke 15 in the New Testament. So I want you to understand that Jesus has the power to rescue you no matter where you are, no matter what decision that you've made in your life. You're never too far gone for God's great love because he will pursue you until he gets you. Because he is able to save from the outermost to the innermost. Amen? He will take you from the far as the east is from the West. Listen to this. One of my favorite parts in all of Luke 15 is eight times, eight times, joy, rejoice, celebrate. Remember that party I was talking about, y'all? There's two parties going on, right? In Luke 14, he, had a, he, invited, he said there's a big banquet coming. I've invited a bunch of people, but they're not showing up. Would you ever turn down an invitation to the Lord? But that's what we do sometimes, isn't it? And you know what the Lord says? My house will be filled up. Go out to the highways and byways, and you get those injured sheep. You get those ones that are uh, strayed. You get the lost. You get those tax collectors and sinners. You get that drug addict. You get that uh, person that's living the wrong lifestyle. And you bring them into my house because I'll set their feet right, and they can live with me for eternity. And they can sit at my table. And I'll put a robe on them. And I'll put a ring on their finger. Give them the authority of the king. Isn't that beautiful? And so I want you to think about something for a second. In every one of these, every one of these parables, and it's really one parable. It's one parable. In every one of them, they call their friends and their family when someone's found. There's a celebration. There's a feast that happens. And that's a foreshadowing picture of what God will have with his children in heaven. But on this earth, we get to come together in the body of Christ if we know Jesus. We get to experience the fellowship of the Holy Spirit here. 
And so when we're missing out on the fellowship of the Holy Spirit in our local body, then we're missing on, out on the party that God is having. And it's a fun party. God, when you celebrate cleanly, there's no hangover. Did you hear that? There is no hangover when we celebrate in God's house, except for the love and the fruits of the Spirit overflow from that. And mind you, the world is steady trying to figure out how to have the best party that they can have. And we know it's empty. And so there's a party that's happening. So here's my my last story that I'm going to share with you. And this is powerful and it's personal. So I want you to listen to me. I don't care if your eyes are starting to fade off. I hope they're not. But God wants to speak to you through this. So we went to the Frio River recently for our family vacation. I love going out there because kind of the phone's spotty. And you get on the inner tube and you float down the, the river. And it's real nice and calm. And then sometimes you'll have little rapids that'll kind of take you. And then you'll kind of float a little longer. It's kind of how life is, right? There'll be seasons where you're just kind of hanging out. And then there'll be seasons where you feel like, whoa, what's coming? And that's kind of how life is. And so I always look at everything I know my kids get tired of it. Everything I see, I, I just see, I see God. And so we, we decided the first night that we got to the Frio River, we decided the first night, this is fine, we decided that first night that uh, we were going to do a night float. How does that sound to y'all? <laughs> it was dark outside, and they're going to drop us off, and for two hours, it was just going to be our little group on the river. And there was a little bit of a moonlight, but you really couldn't hardly see much. And, you know, you get to thinking about what's in the water. What's that touching me, a root or something, you know, on the side? I kind of like it. It's kind of crazy, but I do. And, uh, and so we got out there, and we're in a group, right? And you can tether these tubes together. But inevitably, as kids get to be teenagers, they don't like their tethered to be tethered to their parents. So they untether, and they want to go their own route. So as they untether, they drift a little further off from us and whatever else. So being the dad that I am, I know that dad has to come up the rear. Because I know that if somebody is off track, I'm the only one left, right? I've got to come along and say, okay, come on, son. Come on, daughter. Well, so our kids were up ahead of us. And it was nighttime. And it was dark. And all of a sudden, we got separated because, of course, the kids took off. Lane's always way out front. I don't even know where his group went. Then I got in the middle, I had my daughter and her little group, and then I had me and our friends in the very back. And so all of a sudden I heard something real faint. Mom, Dad, Mom, Dad. And of course my wife, she's like, you know how mother is. She was like, turn on the light on the phone, that's my daughter, immediately. Well, what had happened is there had been a big rock in the middle of the, the river. And what it did is it split the rapids. So you had one route going this way, and you had one route going this way. And when you weren't tethered to the group, she got, she got split on that rock, and she went this direction. And she started thinking to herself that it would come out at the same place because she could hear them, but she could not see them. Okay? So sometimes in life, there's something that'll come. There'll be a point in your life where you got to make a decision. There'll be something that, that causes a, a major challenge that God has there for a reason. And, and what happened was as she got off in those rapids, it started to move her that direction. Now, thankfully, it's shallow. So she was able to get up and pick up a tube after a little while and start to walk back. But she was extremely fearful and she was in tears because she thought she was lost and it was pitch black out. And so here was, here's what I want to tell you guys. There's going to be times in your life where things happen and maybe it's a difficult situation. Maybe you go through a job transition. Maybe you go through a marriage transition. Maybe you go through a child that's off track. Maybe you go as a child, maybe you get into something that you never thought you'd get into in your life and you wind up going the wrong direction. At some point, dad, which was me, we had our light in the back, right? So she could see that light. And remember, Jesus is the light of the world. 
And so she was able to come back to that light, and we were able to pick her up and tether her to, to us and carry her down. But there's some more truth to this story than what y'all even realize, and I want to share a little bit of that with you today. So the past year of my life has been very, very difficult. My, I am, uh, when you look at paper, as Eric said, everything's in order. I taught, I taught church for 15 years. I've preached all over Latin America, just God opened doors. I didn't set out to be a preacher. You know, God just opened the door and, and gave me opportunities and put me in front of people like Eric. And um, I've raised my kids with the Bible from the time they were little. I prayed over each of my kids and said, God, I pray you would use these children magnificently to draw people to the Lord. Literally, I prayed on my hands and knees in their room while they were babies. God used them mightily to Christ. I want their life to count. I don't want to waste this life that you've given us. And so they've grown up in the church, literally, their whole life. And so about a year ago, I started noticing that my daughter was off track. And a parent can just notice that. Whether you know it or not, we just know because we have supernatural ability. And so I looked at her and, and I could sense and feel that things were not right. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. Marriage is hard. And so as my wife and I were trying to figure this thing out, my wife is much more lenient than I am. Shocker. But my parents were very, very, uh, and I, I should tell you this because there's a lot to be learned through this story. My parents were, were not strict at all. Now keep in mind, I was lost. My parents were lost. And so my parents were the cool parents, right? Well, it ain't really cool to be the cool parents now that I'm older and I'm saved. Okay? So they're the ones that kind of turn their head or whatever, Right? They taught me, yes, sir, no, sir, respect, all of that. So everybody would have thought I was great. But meanwhile, I was doing my own thing, right? That's what I'm talking about. Now, Nikki's dad was a high school football coach, and he is naturally very intimidating. So he's got like his little Fu Manchu. Just picture like uh, he naturally about 230, big old arms. Just, you know, he, he, he played defensive end in in, 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 uh, in uh High school, had a scholarship offers as a junior. So just a big, strong dude that wound up being a coach and paddled people so nobody messed with him in his room. And he looks like he should be riding on a Harley Davidson or something, right? And she was raised very strict. And so Poppy is what we call him. He's super nice. I love him to death now. He is not that big, intimidating guy. He is, but, but he has a soft heart. He just said no to everything. Nope, 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 nope. And so consequently... What would happen is Nikki and I would come together and we would disagree on things. Because on one hand, I'm thinking, I want to be more strict. But she's thinking, man, my whole life my dad told me no. He never trusted me. And I know what I did. And so meanwhile, parenting ain't easy. We're just trying to figure it out. So long story short, um, I just kept noticing a bad trend. And over time, I knew my daughter was not in a good place. And so... Uh, Nikki and I, being on the same page, really sensing there were some challenges, uh, I took my daughter on a mission trip to Haiti in uh, Christmas. And this was an intervention trip for me. I, had to, I, I was going with the idea of, God, I'm going to be praying that you will show me what is going on in my daughter's life. Because my daughter on paper, literally, she was the tailback in elementary school that the boys had on the, on the field because she was faster than they were. She, could do th she won the push-up contest. She could do 30 pull-ups when she was a, a little girl. She did gymnastics. So she was like a little Simone Biles, you know. And so all the boys liked her. So she never had anything to be off about. Like it was weird because she was a super leader. I mean, like it, girl in school, everything. Like why would she be going this direction? Like honestly, she's been a leader ever since she was a little kid. And I always, always knew that, saw it in her. So... Mom woke up and said, y'all are going to Haiti tomorrow. I bought a ticket that day. We got on a plane for Haiti. I'm praying the whole time. But mind you, she started dating a guy that, that I was not big on, that I knew this guy won't look me in the eye. And so we got a problem. But here's the problem. As parents know, I can tell you to break up with somebody. I can tell you not to date this person. But if you don't break up with them in their heart, in your heart, then we're still missing it. And so I'm, I'm trying to balance trust, love, let God work all at the same time. Well, mind you, uh, I get to Haiti, and my, my daughter and I have a massive, when I say conversation, I just told her, I said, I don't know what's happened. 
or where you're at. I said, I love you. I was, in te- I was crying. I was in tears. I said, I love you more than you can ever imagine. And I said, I, I, don't, know, I don't know what's happened. I don't know where you're at and, and what's going on. And, and I just know this guy's not good news, all this stuff. And she told me at that time that she had experienced some abuse between the ages of seven and nine. So I won't get into that because we have little ones here. Um, this could never happen to me in my family. I'm an only child. My wife's an only child. We know everybody that she goes to, right? We never just left her anywhere. And long story short, she experienced that. I did not know it. Her mom did not know it. She was a child, so she didn't start realizing this until she was in middle school, and she began to go through puberty and started changing. And she really realized she went through puberty late because of uh, gymnastics. Uh, She didn't realize what had happened to her. And so once she realized that she had experienced some abuse, it started to mess with her mind. So this was her rock, okay? And this rock took her on a journey that I never, in my wildest dreams, my wife and I never, ever dreamed we would be at as parents. And she, she went down the rapids just like she did out there. And for about eight months, there were times, y'all, where I didn't know if and my wife would tell you this. I didn't know if she was going to hug me or hurt herself. Depression set in. Everything. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. During this time, the, the young man uh, was in that accident with those people that Aaron knows. During this time, that young man that was shot, I don't know if y'all heard about that boy that was shot in Porter, shot execution style. All of those, all that stuff had to do with drugs that were going on. My daughter was very close to that situation. So close that I would never have imagined. The guy that she was dating was actually living with that guy that got shot. Now I'm Todd Stewart. I'm saved as a young man. I run missions all over the world. I got a company that does all kinds of stuff. But we experienced something in life that I never dreamed possible. Our family's perfect on paper. And we never dreamed. But here's what I want to tell you. We never stopped pursuing our daughter. And I'm going to tell you right now, there was a lot of prayer. And I had everybody praying. And I never dreamed we would be where we are today. But God broke that wall down while we were in Haiti. And I'd like to tell you that it all got well right away, but it didn't. We kept praying, and it literally came off in layers. And it, it has taken about... Well, it's taken about, it probably took about another seven months for it to completely leave her. But I'm, I'm here to tell you today that God rescued my daughter. God rescued my daughter. He brought another young man into her life who wants to go to church, who wants, who when I send them texts on scripture, they send me texts back, which is a big deal if you've got teenagers. Because usually they ignore those and they just give you something they want. And so the desire and the hunger in her heart because of where she was and the healing that she's now experiencing. So here's the thing. What was really cool is I took her on a ministry trip with me. And uh, she heard a testimony of a guy. You know the guy that sells pillows? You know the super pillow man? I don't know if y'all know this, but the pillow man was a drug addict. But he loves Jesus. (laughs) And Jesus rescued him. And he's made this big company now that sells these pillows all over the world. He's like a millionaire. He does all this stuff. But he gives tons of money now. He's got this rehab deal that he invented. But when Lexi heard him communicate about the drugs, it triggered in her mind, God's going to use what I've been through to reach people. When I got home, she wouldn't let me go to bed, which is odd, because usually I'm the first one in bed. She wouldn't let me go to bed. She said, Dad, don't go to bed. I want to talk to you tonight. So she came and talked to me, and uh, she said, I want to, I want, I'm writing my testimony down, and I want to use it. I don't want to, I don't want to waste this moment. There's an urgency that had not been in my daughter for years. It was like she just came back home. And we celebrate. We're having a party right now. And, and she's loving it. She's loving it. She's loving it. And so... The awesome part about this story, and and this is what I'll tell you guys, is God never gives up on us. I want to encourage you, don't give up on your kids. 
Kids, here's what I want to tell you. You may think you'll never wind up in the situation. My daughter was the perfect girl, literally. She had it all going for her. And one or two bad, one thing, bad things that happened to her in her life, and the enemy began to use that lie to take her the wrong direction. And it wasn't until she got rescued through the blood of Christ, through this trip to Haiti, and seeing and experiencing God's love, that ultimately we got back on track. So I want you to know that just because you grow up in a good home, or just because uh, you, know, you didn't come from uh, a wrong side of town, that doesn't exempt you from the challenges of this life. We all have challenges, but I want to tell you that God is pursuing you. And just like we pursued Lexi, and God more than anybody pursued her, now in front of 45 adults at a ministry briefing about three weeks ago, she shared her testimony for the first time. Do you know there was multiple adults in that room that experienced abuse in their life that came up and hugged her and said, I I know I'm so thankful for where you're at. I'm so thankful that you're getting this off now and that God is going to use this to heal people. And so I want you guys to know that he loves you deeply. He's in the business of rescuing you wherever you are. If you're strayed, lost, off track, don't waste your life. One of my favorite things John Piper says is don't waste your life. For you teenagers, for you young adults, you got an opportunity every day to make decisions. Again, Skeena's very transparent with a lot of what she'd been through. I love that. The ones that I worry about are the ones that aren't, the ones that keep it in because you know there's stuff going on. Do you want to waste your life or do you want to experience the greatest joy and the greatest party that you could ever experience? And that's walking in righteousness because there's no shame in that. Uh, Lexi said, I love being the good kid now because for that, for that period of time, she was not the good kid and she was wearing that guilt. And so you don't have to wear that guilt and shame today. You can come forward. You can come in Christ today. You can say, I'm going to walk in newness of life today. Maybe, maybe you are that person like my daughter that's off track and you need to be picked up and rescued. Maybe you're hurting or you've got some pain in your life, but I want you to know something. Jesus loves you. He is the shepherd that finds his sheep always. He will not let you continue down that path if that's where you're headed. And so I want you to know that wherever you're at, whatever your secret is, whatever that rock in the rapids is in your life, just know this. God is a light. He will draw you to himself. He will tether you to his tube and you can go down the rapids with him. He already knows the way because he is the way, the truth, and the life. So would you come to Jesus today? Would you invite him into your life today? Would you trust him more today? Let's pray. Father God, we know that life is hard. We know. Thank you for listening. Join us each Sunday at 9.30 a.m. at The Overlook, located in Atascacita, Texas. Visit us online at www.globaloutreachcc.org. Remember, your life matters because it matters to Christ.